Steven, I have a question for you. I have an answer. For you. Really? Probably not. That's uh, the fiction. The fiction is that we have answers to these questions. Oh, okay. But the beauty is that we don't. I'm going to go off on a tangent before I ask the question. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Are there actual facts that turned out to be other than like one plus one equals two? Are there any facts oh, you, this that is are your, taught in this school? Is your, this is your. There are no facts argument, right? Right. There's yes. Not, the short answer: yes. Okay. Like, like name an area of science. Chemistry. A lot of facts in chemistry. Physics. A lot of facts. Biology. A lot of facts. Yeah, but it feels like physics. You had Isaac Newton. Then you had Albert Einstein. Then you had quantum mechanics. Then you have like string theory. So I don't know what's. Nobody actually knows. I don't, I don't and know. then, by the way, 97% of the universe is something called dark matter, and we have no idea what that is. All right, so let's exclude physics for a minute. Oh, um, okay. Oh, biology. Uh, <laughs> Will you still take biology and chemistry, two no, out of three? No, biology, because they thought sequencing the genome was everything, and it turns out that's not everything. So you're making the distinction between there are no facts, there are no provable facts in the world, and a lot of what we take to be factual arguments turn out to be incomplete or false even, which are totally different arguments. Yes, yeah, okay. So there might be facts, but the fringes of all of these science either have to be every 30 years or 100 years completely revised or updated or Let me give a super ridiculously simple example. Yes. Here we are, two upstanding gentlemen in modern America, both wearing eyeglasses, right? right? So you ever think about, I don't know how bad your vision is. Let me see. Let's switch glasses mine's, here. Let me mine's see. pretty bad. And my, my oh, glasses are-, are dirty too, so <laughs> you're not going to be able to see out of my glasses. You and I are like ex- the same blind. We're you're okay. You're very blind because no, uh, you're you're a little bit you're, worse. You're, you're, oh, no, those you're are my, not as bad. Really? Yeah, you're yeah. not as bad as me. A couple thousand years ago, people first started to figure out what was going on with the eye and how the lens worked, the lens in the eye worked, and how light entered and how it shaped an image, and figure out a way to correct it for people like you and me. Now, right. Well, by the way, you said a couple of thousand years ago, but do you know why it really happened? Why or when did you say? Why and when? Um, because this, I, I'm about to revise your history. Let me hear it. <laughs> okay, it's the Gutenberg Press. Suddenly, everybody was reading, and they realized they were nearsighted. So they were nearsighted all along, but they didn't know it until they started, or they were farsighted, or they had some vision problem. They didn't know it until the Gutenberg press. So that led to more study of the lens, which led to the microscope, which led to more study of biology. So all of these things were like weirdly connected. And that makes them unfactual, however? My no, point no. is simply this. like The fact that we figured out as a species how to correct something like vision means that we know how to figure it, we know how to get to answers. We have a scientific method. Galileo really figured out, like you roll a little marble down the grooved wood and you can measure things like speed and acceleration. Like, so... I appreciate very much your appreciation of the fact that no question is 100% satisfactorily answerable, especially by us. <laughs> but, but I do take argument with your slightly tinfoil hat sounding theory that like there are no facts. Okay, I agree with you. But let's even just take things that many people consider basic. Okay. Like somebody asked me the like other day. 12 servings of bread a day. <laughs> Okay, so James, you're saying that there are no answers to anything, which no, 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 I dispute. I'm not, I'm not totally saying that. I'm just saying if everybody is agreeing to something, just be a little bit skeptical. Uh, you know, of course, yes, 
certain chemical equations, certain mathematical equations are facts that you can't dispute. Or water's you, wet. Yeah, water's Except wet. Except when it's not. But but there are so many things that we assume as common sense, and it's almost I'm hearsay totally with you to there. like disagree. Totally with you but there. But then they get into cultural things like, okay, college leads to a better life. Owning a home is better than renting a home. Always save money in your 401k. There's all these kind of things that are, are starting to get baked into our culture, kind of like at the top of the cake. I think there's always been things like that where you take like an idea that has a lot of merit to it, right? So saving money for the future is an idea that I think you and I would agree has merit to it to some degree. To some degree. To some degree. And how you do it. But then what happens is you take an idea that's generally, let's say, a little bit on the positive side or even a lot on the positive side, and then it becomes commercialized. And then it gets sold. I think that's what you're responding to. I think you're responding to the idea that these things get packaged and sold and commodified in a way that persuades everybody to think that it's always the right thing, which it which it's not. Right, commodified, or, or maybe another way to put it is standardized. So if you have kids in public school, they take standardized tests. They have to have, everybody has to have the same answers for every question. It's also, and the scary part of what you're describing overall, not with the testing, but with overall, is the notion that our preferences are homogeneous, whereas in fact preferences are really heterogeneous. That's the scary what do you part mean? to me. It means that if you take 100 people and you say that they should all behave in a certain way because it's the better way, that's assuming that their preferences are generally aligned when, in fact, they might not be. Right. Well, you know, and it's funny. If you question the preferences, people get – people can get – It's true. People get violent even this is, but how now, they respond to it. I mean, it. that's – now you're describing like politics basically, right? Because if I'm a conservative Republican and you're a liberal Democrat, then there are certain ideas that I hold to be true – that have to define me as a conservative Republican. Oh, so you'll love this. So I was talking to Scott Adams, who writes the Dilbert cartoon, and his trick for his blog, if he wants to provoke controversy, is he'll take a very provocative issue. Like, let's say, I don't know if he's done this, I'm just going to use this as an example. Let's say pro-life and pro-choice. Okay, so people are either on one side or the other, and they hate each other, right? So he'll defend both sides equally, and so now nobody will like him. If he makes an argument that's reasonable for both sides, both sides will equally hate him. Right. Even though there are, for almost any issue you could think of, there's probably reasonable arguments for, that's why there are two sides. Because half the country believes in one side and half the country believes in the other. As you could probably guess, Stephen and I have a lot more to say about this topic right after this quick break. James, I'm very happy to have our friends at Fracture back on Question of the Day. Fracture is a great American company with a new concept for digital photography. You take your digital images out of your smartphone or wherever they're stored, and let's be honest, you never look at them there, and you bring them into the physical world by printing them directly on glass. Every Fracture is made by hand in the USA, checked by an actual human for quality assurance, and it's delivered with solid backing ready to mount on the wall right out of their eco-friendly packaging. They even include the wall anchor. I will probably get a fracture of me and James 
here in the studio, James, recording QOD so I can hang it on my wall and remember when we were such great friends after we've stopped being friends because I beat you too often at backgammon. I, I probably would stop being your friend if you beat me too much at backgammon. I think you will. But then I'm, I can, kind, I'm that kind of person. But then I can look at that fracture of you and me up on the wall and think, ah, oh, I, I used to really love James. Take a picture of you looking at that, and I will then make a <laughs> fracture out of it. And you know what? If you don't like that fracture, can I tell you something? There is a guarantee, a six 60-day happiness guarantee that if you're not happy, you can get your money back. Now, fractures, James, I have to say, are great as gifts, awards, or just a great way to brighten up your home with the images you love. Fracture glass prints start at just $15. Even James Altucher can afford that with free shipping on orders over $100. See how Fracture brings your photos to life at fracture.me and be sure to mention that you heard about them on Question of the Day in their one-question survey at checkout. It helps support this show. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, because I'm very, uh, I've written articles, I'm very anti-any war. And somebody said to me, well, wasn't the American Revolution a justifiable war? And I was like, why? Like, what group did did that serve? Like, what? who benefited from that? And he wrote back a day later, he had to think about it. He's like, I, I don't know. I, can you t- I guess you're, you're right. He couldn't think of a group that benefited. So my question is, at least be can I, skeptical. Can I, can I tell you a story about the Revolutionary yes. War? Yes, I would love to hear it. And I would love to hear your answer to that. Uh, who did it benefit? Or was, it, was the American, Revolutionary, uh, American Revolution a justifiable war? Was it a justifiable war? Um, I mean, a lot of kids, you know, a lot of young kids died in it. So, was it justified killing all these eighteen-year-old kids? I mean, would it have been better to reach a bloodless solution? I guess the answer to that is always yeah. But I mean, if you want the result that the war had to produce there, which being Americans, I think we appreciate the result. Why? I, think it's, I don't appreciate the result. Yeah, we had, uh, all the all the British colonies got rid of slavery in eighteen thirty-two. That's true. That's true. Uh, U.S. didn't get rid of slavery till eighteen sixty-five. You ever been to Liverpool? No. You know, Liverpool was the center of the slave trade, which I had not known. I but did not the know ships, that either. The, most of the ships were, many of the ships were built there and came through there. And so Liverpool has now built this amazing museum of slavery, which I think is, it's interesting when countries or people have done something demonstrably, demonically bad or wrong. The efforts that they make to either acknowledge or not is always interesting to me. So the fact that, you know, I'd never been to Liverpool and I went and my family and we saw this hadn't known about the slave trade being such a, an important part there and thought it was really cool the way that they turned that into the identity of their city now to say this is what happened rather than brush it under. Let's uh, actually explore. So y- you want me to tell you my American Revolution yeah, story? Yeah. So y- you don't know the name of the town where I'm from, do you? Schenectady? Uh, Schenectady was the big city nearby. Uh, Schenectady no, I don't was, know. So it's a town called Dwaynesburg. So does that name ring any bell no. at all? So there was a fellow named James Dwayne. Um, who was the first post-Constitution mayor of New York City. But before that, he was a member of the Continental Congress. And he was one of a few who basically, when they're down in Philadelphia talking about, you know, it's real, guys, and it's time to say goodbye to Britain, Declaration of Independence is in hand, we've got to really make this happen. He was the guy who said, you know what? I kind of like the deal with Britain now because he's in New York, New York City, and trade was just booming. And he was thinking, if we start this war, then everything that I like about this situation here is going to be destroyed. So the forefather of the town where I grew up 
was like one of or the great dissenter against American independence. Well, New York City and New Jersey, which of course is like an annex of New York City, that also was pro not having a war. It was Benjamin Franklin's son, William Franklin, was the governor of New Jersey. So I don't know. Some people benefited and some people didn't. And then a lot of young people, none of those people who benefited were in the war, except for maybe George Washington. And everybody else was 18 years old and froze and died. And So wait, so how did we get there? This was We got there saying because the, the answer would seem to be obvious that the American yes. Revolution was a good war. So, so a lot of the obvious facts, it's almost taken as a fact that that's a I good thing. I think what you're getting into more is the whole truism of like the winners write the history, right? Yeah, so, but, but that also applies in science too, like the, the winners write the history. That is, that is definitely true. That is definitely true. But I think like... I think if you look around at... And, and it's very subtle about the winners write the history because it's very deep. It's very deep in our culture who the winners are. It's automatically assumed that the Americans are the winners or Einstein is a genius and, and was right about everything. You know, there's like cultural things that we're not skeptical about I agree, about and once you're on a postage stamp or whatever, <laughs> right. then your reputation is essentially fixed until some long-buried scandal gets unburied and it, and it kills your reputation. Some weird time portal's been opened that allows us to glimpse exactly one episode into the future. We'll take you through to the other side right after this. Thanks again to our sponsor, Fracture, a company that's changing the photo market by printing your digital photographs directly on glass. Every Fracture is made by hand in Gainesville, Florida, checked by an actual human for quality assurance, and delivered with a solid backing ready to mount onto the wall right out of their eco-friendly packaging. They even include the wall anchor. With prices starting at $15, it's affordable, makes for a fantastic gift. See how Fracture brings your photos to life at fracture.me, and be sure to mention that you heard about them from Question of the Day in their one-question survey at checkout. It helps support the show. Thanks. And on the next episode of Question of the Day, same question channel, same question time, here it is. Name some people, James, that you think have significantly, quote, saved or really improved the world. Nobody. Like, uh, we, we know... Like I, the world is terrible and it's gotten worse and worse over time? That's your view? Well, 